You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, Riverside family in Oakmont. Last time I was here, it was June the 10th. Been on sabbatical for a while. If you're a guest or brand new to the church, maybe recently over the last few weeks, I would love to meet you afterwards. I'll be down here around the front. And many of you have kindly asked and encouraged uh, Amy and I in the sabbatical time. It was a great time. Information was in the Facebook group as to kind of what we did and where we went and who we saw. But uh, it was uh, a wonderful time of refreshment, and uh, we're geared up for a brand new fall. Looking forward to that at the end of our time together. I'll tell you about what our new theme is going to be. But for those of you who are brand new today or newer, we have been in a series for the last 52 Sundays, 51 if you, count, if you don't count the Serve the Berg weekend. So for 51 weeks, we've been looking at this whole idea of step forward. And it comes from this idea that the Apostle Paul, who was a first century follower of Jesus, writing to a church in Galatia, some Christians that were following Jesus then. Since we live by the Spirit, Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so we've been unpacking for the last 12 months, what's it look like to live in step, to keep in step with the Spirit? And obviously the Spirit's moving forward. The Spirit of Jesus is always challenging us to move forward. And so that's what we've been looking at in each of the series. This specific summer, we've been going through the book of Acts, and today we're going to be in Acts chapter 18. So If you open up the message notes inside the app, you can follow along there. If you need a paper Bible, there are some in the chairs down there below you. And we're going to be in the New Testament book, the record from the Dr. Luke, who describes the movement of the Holy Spirit and how he was challenging the believers of Jesus to follow him and to step forward. We've been going through this. It's a page turner of a book. And so each one of the series, we broke Acts down into three sections, and we talked about Awaken at the beginning of the summer, and then we were talking about Transform and how God transformed people's lives individually and the movement of Jesus corporately. And then in this series, we've been looking at Overcome. And today, we're in chapter 18, and you'll notice that there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. We're going to do all 10 today, and we'll be here about Thursday, and we'll wrap it up. So, you know, we'll bring in, we'll bring in food and drinks, and we'll have breath restroom breaks, but we're going to do 10 chapters here together this morning. Now, for those of you who are brand new, that's a joke. I'm not really going to keep you here till Thursday, but we do have a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to dive right in in just a few moments, but the, the specific theme verse for this series of Overcome comes from a comment that Jesus made to his closest followers about his movement. He said that the gates of hell would not be able to stop, would not be able to prevail over the movement of the church, and that Jesus said, he said, I'm going to build my church, and nothing is going to stop it, not even Hades, not even hell. And so we've been looking at how they were overcoming. And Acts is a story of the church stepping forward and overcoming the odds, getting out of the first century as a Christian, even the idea of Christianity, making it out of the Roman Empire in the first century. And not only that, but by the third century, it becomes the religion of the Roman Empire is nothing short of the movement and miraculous work of God. So for this specific message, the final message Today, I want to challenge you to watch your step. Now, this actually came 
Uh, you remember earlier this year, we did a series on the whispers of the Holy Spirit. This actually was given to me while I was on sabbatical. And the truth is, if I'm just really bluntly honest, I wasn't thinking about you all a ton. I wasn't thinking about my job. I wasn't thinking about Riverside as a whole, occasionally here or there. But one morning on the beach in Virginia Beach, I was in our hotel room. Amy and I took one night and we ran over from my sisters to Virginia Beach. And I was laying in my bed, having my my time with Jesus. I call it my quiet time every morning with the Lord. And I'm literally sitting there and I'm reading the Bible and it has nothing to do with, I'm not thinking about, we're not, you know, I'm not asking God for a word for Riverside. I'm just sitting here thinking and praying. And all of a sudden that's the view. I'm looking out uh, there through my window. And all of a sudden there's a little sign there that catches my eye. And the Holy Spirit says, David, I want you to end the series on September the 2nd with that message. And I hadn't even looked at, I didn't even know, you know, Acts 18 through 28. I had no idea what that was even going to about, going to be about. So we're on the third floor and I see that sign. We'll get in close on it and you can see there. It says, help me out. Watch your step. One more time. Watch your step. And what I was hearing, not only for all of us, was that the Holy Spirit was telling to me as well, David, I want you to watch your step. I want you to pay attention and look back over the last year. So think for this last year how you're different. If you were with us in September when you heard us first cast vision in the beginning of the September series that we started a year ago for Step Forward, how many steps have you taken forward? It's a good question. Good evaluation time for us. Have you taken sideways steps? Have you taken steps backward? I hope that as you look back, you'll be able to see, wow, I was here when I started in September, but look, with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of God's word, I'm over here with him and I'm continuing to move forward. That's been our prayer for these last 12 months. Now, how many of you have ever tripped and fallen before? Okay, yep, we've all done it. When you think about that sign there, that's up on the third floor. They want us to really watch our step up on the, on the third floor. But how many of you know that oftentimes it's after you've tripped that you see the sign, watch your step, right? Anybody ever had that happen? In fact, I think just to put us totally in the mood, we need to experience some people who didn't watch their step. So if you could just take a quick look at the screen, this kind of just puts you in the mood for watch your step. Preacher. (laughs) Somebody thought that was going to be a good idea. Okay, now I don't think actually God probably wants us to laugh at people, but you just, you know, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself, right? And, uh, you know, it was funny. Right after I'd been thinking about this, I was studying for it. I was coming home and I had, I, I asked Joshua to actually help me find a video for the clip for that. And I just watched it and I'm walking up the stairs and I'm laughing at that. And I pulled up in my car and I get out and I've got all this stuff in my stair and I'm walking up the stairs and wouldn't you know, I tripped. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> So we're not supposed to laugh at people. Now, when I was thinking about this, think about in your own mind, like what's the best movie clip you've ever seen or what's, a, what's an immediate clip that comes to your mind when you think about watching your step? This is what hit me and then we'll actually get to the word of God. Here. <laughs> well, that was my first step. It's 
So you gotta ask yourselves, as you're thinking about watching your step, what happens when we watch our step? And I think one very obvious thing is, is we don't trip and we don't fall down. We benefit from it, as, but also other people benefit from that signage, benefit from when we don't trip and fall, and certainly you benefit when the people around you, not just physically don't trip and fall, but relationally, financially, spiritually, in terms of their lives and careers, they don't trip up and they don't fall. And so what I wanna talk with us today about is this idea of how the Apostle Paul in the last 10 chapters walked through and watched his step time and time again and the benefits and the blessings of what it's like when we live and when we follow Jesus as we watch our step. And I think it can be extremely helpful. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this can be incredibly helpful for you nonetheless. But we encourage you to continue to come. We're so glad that you're here. We want you to continue to investigate the claims of Christ and explore what it would look like to be a follower of Jesus because we honestly believe that following Jesus makes you better at life. It doesn't just make you a better person, but it actually, he actually makes you better at life and you don't have nearly as many falls and you don't have as many moments where you get hurt. Not that following Jesus is easy, not that following Jesus is a cakewalk, but we do see that the Apostle Paul, as we walk through this, took courage and had strength for the journey because he watched his step. We pick up the series uh, where we left off last week in Corinth. Last week we were in Athens. So you'll see here on the screen, um, we were in Athens last week. Now we're gonna be coming over here to Corinth and we're gonna track around with this all the way down here to Jerusalem. But we were in Athens last week. Now we're gonna be in Corinth in chapter 18. God is doing some great work in Corinth. If you know the scriptures, you'll know that Paul wrote two letters to the Corinthians, first, second Corinthians, and uh, that we have in the scriptures. And it was there that Paul met a very special couple. They were encouragers, supporters. They were people who were in the trenches with him. Their names were Aquila and Priscilla. And they helped to provide for the ministry there. They were his confidants. They had this deep relationship together and God was doing a tremendous move. He was helping the church overcome in Corinth. Here's what it says in Acts 18 and verse nine. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Notice this, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people. He's with him and he's got many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. What happens when you watch your step? Well, very clearly there, when you watch your step, you don't walk alone. Paul, there, there's two layers. Jesus shows up to him in a vision and, and the Holy Spirit reveals the spirit of Jesus to him in that moment. And he says, Paul, I want you to know I'm with you and I've got other people in this city that are with you. And as you look around this room, maybe it's not everybody in this room that's, that's in your life personally, but God wants to put people in your life and he wants to put you in the lives of others to help them to watch their step. A part of our design as a family of believers is that we're supposed to watch one another. We're supposed to help out. You know, have you ever seen a, a train wreck about to happen? One of those things about to happen? I've actually caught a couple of brides who were about to go down on the stage before over the years. We're supposed to help one another from tripping and falling down. We don't walk alone. Not only is Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit there present, but he sends others. In fact, you just take a quick read 
between Acts 18 and Acts 28, you'll see that Silas and Timothy and Erastus and Sopater, Aaron Aristarchus and Gaius and Tychicus and Trophimus and Luke all were people in addition to Priscilla and Aquila that were sent. And who are the names? I love that Luke specifically, that's where I trust the scriptures and the truth of them because there's specifics there. There's actual real life names of people. And they were in the trenches with Paul doing this ministry, living out the Christian life. And who is it that's gonna be on your inner circle? There was a diversity of their backgrounds and differences of opinion along the way, but they were helping each other to keep their eyes up, to keep their eyes focused. And, to inv- and they invited each other to take the journey with one another and to let each other help them to watch their step. So who is it that's going to walk with you? Who's been walking with you over this last year? Who's helped you to watch your step? Who have you helped someone else to watch their step? This fall, as we do, if you've been around here for very long, you know we have semesters of small groups. This fall, we'll be kicking off. In fact, you can sign up today. You should have received an email from me. If you're a part of the Riverside family that gets the emails, I sent you an email with a very easy, clickable link you can go into. You can view the groups and it populates and you can get right in there and see all the groups that are going to be available. There's a list of them on the screen. You can sign up through the app today. You can go to the back table all the way back in the lounge area in the back of the room here. And uh, Mike and Denise Wolf will be there. They would be happy to talk with you afterwards. But you can see there, there's everything from Bible studies like the book of Acts uh, and Exodus and uh, Esther. You'll see those kinds of things. We have uh, the I Choose Us is a marriage group. We have divorce care and divorce care for kids. We've got prayer groups. We've got uh, relational fellowship groups. Going Deeper is a study every week that happens with Pastor Bill outside of what we have on on a Sunday morning, what we say here. It's an unpacking of the message a little bit more deeply. You can see there's a woman's group. There's the lunch bunch for the seniors. Romans 8 and the anvil are both men's groups. The Jewishness of Jesus, I'm doing that. We're gonna look at the gospels and you'll never look at the gospels the same after that kind of a study. So there's a ton of things for you to be able to sign up for. That's where you get connected so that you don't have to walk alone so that other people around you can help you to watch your step. That takes us now from Corinth on to Ephesus. And Paul spends a total of three years in Ephesus. There's a tremendous amount of miraculous ministry that's happening. People are being delivered. People are being rescued. People are being healed. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're ministering and empowered by God. There's an effective ministry happening in Ephesus. In fact, Paul spent most of his time in Ephesus over the course of all of his ministry. He poured so much into that church. And here's what it says over in Acts 19. As we continue this story, it says, the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. So people were having an awareness in their conscience. I'm broken. I'm lost. I've been looking to all these gods and goddesses who have left me empty. I've been approaching gods and goddesses in so many different ways and nothing has actually helped. And they're realizing that it's this resurrected Jesus that Paul is teaching and preaching about that's making the difference. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Now, this is going to cause a problem because when you mess with the income of other people and it's an issue of faith, people get riled up and they get angry and this was really causing a stir. When they calculated the value of the scroll, scrolls, 
The total came to 50,000 drachmas. That's a silver, a drachma is a silver coin worth a day's wage. That's 137 years worth of daily income right there. Being burned right there. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. The thought here is that when you watch your step, you help others to step forward. Paul goes, these other guys that are traveling with him, Luke and Silas and Timothy and all of these men, and women that are traveling together, they're helping other people find their way out of the darkness and into light. And that's our responsibility as well. Nothing has changed. Who have you helped this year spiritually? I don't ask that question to condemn anybody. It's like an honest, real assessment. Like what have you done over this last year that has added value to somebody's life? Maybe it was someone you helped in a very practical way or a financial way, or you've prayed with someone or for someone. You've been there in the trenches with them. What is it that you have done to help someone else to be able to step forward? For whom are you praying? How is God's word, just as it said there, how's God's word spreading through you? And who will you invite? People were inviting. They would come and they would say, hey, there's this guy in Ephesus. There's this group of followers of Jesus. And something's different about this God that they talk about. They're talking about an actual man that lived and died and he resurrected. And it wasn't like decades ago. It was like, like real recent. Something's happening. Come check this out. And they would invite them. Who's here because we've invited them? Maybe somebody, maybe you're sitting with somebody that you invited today. Way to go. Keep inviting. In fact, let me draw your attention to right in front of you. It's one of these invite cards. I desperately want every single week to have to restock these. These are not for you. They're not meant to look pretty for you right there in front of you. Pull one out if you've never taken a look at it. Put it in your purse. Put it in your pocket. Invite somebody to come and experience what you're experiencing here just like they do, help others to step forward. When you watch your step, you help others to step forward, just like Paul did, just like those first followers of Jesus did. We help others to step forward. Fast forward to Acts chapter 20 and verse 18. We find ourselves now in Macedonia, where Paul spends about three months in Macedonia. Then he's in Philippi and Troas and Miletus. And after he's done all of this ministry with the Ephesians. He ends up traveling up into this area here, but he comes back here and he asks the Ephesians to come down and to meet with him here, the leaders in Ephesus. And that's the last time he sees them. And he has a very, very emotional encounter with them because of what we're going to see. Paul realizes that as he watches his step, his step is leading him to Jerusalem. And he knows eventually it'll take his life. It's a long ways off yet. But that's exactly what happens. And in this conversation, Paul sits down on the beach with this group of Ephesian leaders that he's loved and poured his life into. And he makes some incredible statements about his relationship with them. And I wanna invite you with me to stand because you look like you're almost to fall asleep. So get up, stand up with me. And I'm gonna read some verses. And I want you to just join along, just follow along. You don't have to read out loud, but let me just read these verses. In Acts 20, we're gonna condense about 20 verses, but I want you to hear what he says and think about it in light of your own life. You know, help me out with that next phrase, how I lived, okay? So he's about to tell them how he lives. And it's been an example and a model for them to follow. And it stands 
2,000 years later as our model as well. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing. I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. I have declared that everyone, and that's men, women, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, everybody, he says, everyone must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That's the message that makes the difference. It's not about being a good person. It's not about your best efforts. It is repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me. He says, Paul, watch your step. There's a warning to this. Warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And if your background is nothing in the, in the church world or nothing in the faith world or uh, very little in religion and all you've ever heard is bad news, you need to hear good news today because grace and forgiveness is good news. That should put a smile on our faces. And when we get a hold of that, it's transforming. I have, not test, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Then he challenges them. He says, keep watch, watch over yourselves. Watch your step, he says. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you. I never stopped pleading with you. I never stopped challenging you to watch your step. Each of you, I warned you, each of you, day and night with tears. Now he says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Look at your neighbor as you're seated and tell him to watch your step. So I read through those verses and the summary statement I would have from those thoughts is that when you watch your step, you live differently. He says, here's how I lived. And when you read that account, Paul lived differently. Notice his attitude and the difference in his viewpoint. He's all about a life of service to God. He seeks to invest in the local church with his teaching gift. He's consumed with sharing this gospel, this good news about Jesus to everyone who had not yet followed Jesus. That's what his life was given to. And his attitude toward himself was one of complete and utter sacrifice. How's Paul's perspective different than ours? Toward God. How's his perspective different toward God than ours? In our world today, God is often viewed as the genie in the bottle. Not so by Paul. Toward the church, what's our attitude as compared to him? We tend to have in our Western culture a consumer mindset. Paul said, nope, I'm coming in and I'm investing I'm pouring myself out for the sake of others. What's his attitude toward outsiders versus ours? For him, it was, I'm gonna do everything that I possibly can to reach as many as I possibly can. I'll become like her, like him, like them. I'll do whatever I can to possibly connect them to this one who they can find and follow the Lord Jesus. What's ours? Judgmentalism condemnation, if we're not careful. Hopefully we have that same viewpoint. 
Sometimes it's an us versus them mentality in the Christian world. And this is not what followers of Jesus who watch their step are supposed to be like. How about his view compared to ours of himself and of ourselves? Anybody else struggle with selfishness, self-centeredness? Paul says, I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm in it for Jesus. And when you are completely consumed with Christ, that can be the legacy that you leave as it was for Paul. When we watch our step, we live differently. There's a change. Others notice it and they're curious about it. And whether we're standing at the corner picking up our children at a school or we're in a line in a grocery store or we're helping somebody on the side of the road who's got a flat tire, they'll see differently because we watch our step, we live differently. That takes us to tire. And interestingly enough, here at Tire, all the way down here, so he's had this conversation up here in Miletus, now he's down in Tyre. When he was with the Ephesians, they wept with him on the beach because he said, I know I'm never going to see you again. And they pleaded and they begged with him not to go. And that theme emerges throughout the stories of what you see in the next few chapters. We get to Tyre and it says there in Acts 21 verse four, we now look, it's interesting, Luke changes the language and now he's traveling specifically with Paul. He says, we sought out the disciples there we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. They said, Paul, don't do it. We don't want you to do this. He travels on to Caesarea, which is further south, and the prophet Agabus has a conversation with Paul in Acts 21 and verse 11, and it says this, coming over to us, so Luke's still with him, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders, those are the people who are the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish religion at the time, they're gonna, those guys in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping? Why are you breaking my heart? Help me out. I am ready. Say it with me. I am ready. What was Paul ready for? They're breaking his heart, but what's he ready for? Look at it. Not only, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, Lord's will be done. How often do we do it like that? <laughs> we try every way else. Okay, Lord, I guess it is your way. Your will be done. I love this theme. It, it breaks my heart and I love it all at the same time because Paul was focused. And the truth of this is, is that when others, when, when, when you are watching your step, others may not understand. Others may not understand. They may look at you and say, don't do it. Don't follow Jesus. Don't give up your career to follow Jesus. Go ahead and make the compromise. Don't give up the relationship for Jesus. Go ahead and head down that path. It's unhealthy. Have those friends that are not going to move you forward. Whatever it might be, whatever version of that might be, when you decide to follow Jesus and walk in step with him, when you watch your step, others may not understand. Family, friends, teachers, coaches, people that are closest to you, 
They may not get it. And all the while, these people who loved Paul and had the best of intentions and our goal in life, think about how differently Paul views this. Our goal in life should not be just pleasant days and a life of ease and comfort and peace. The goal of our lives should be obedient days. Now, we we love it when those obedient days also mean peace, comfort, joy, ease, happiness. We love that. But how many of you have walked with Jesus long enough to know it's not like that all the time? When you're watching your step, there's gonna be difficult days. There will be joy and there will be tears. There will be pain and there will be promise. But each of us should seek to live a life that's so committed to the Holy Spirit, to his guidance, to God's will, that we would go where he wants us to and be with who he wants us to be and do what he wants us to do, no matter the cost, even if it causes us to lose our life. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said. If you want to find your life, what are you gonna do? You're gonna lose it. And you're gonna every day take up your cross, which was the instrument of death, and you're gonna die to yourself. When you watch your step, others may not understand, but it's still the right thing to do. We handle that with tact, with humility, with compassion. We don't fight back against that when others don't understand. But we stand in the face of that with courage, which is exactly what we're gonna see happen next. We go to Jerusalem and Paul is there. (laughs) He's there a total of seven days and he's arrested. (laughs) He can't stay out of trouble. In chapter two, he tells the crowd his his page turning story. You can read it. In fact, the last several chapters of Acts, he tells his story over and over and over again. Here's who I was. Here's when Jesus found me. Now, who, now here's my life. Here's who I was. I found Jesus. Jesus found me. He called me. And now here's my life. He says that over and over again. It's a story of awakening. It's a story of transforming. And yes, it's a story of overcoming. In chapter 23, he appears before the Sanhedrin, before the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and a fight breaks out. And he has a little bit of trouble there and they get him away from them because they were just gonna tear him apart. And in Acts 23, 11, look at what Jesus does to speak to Paul. I absolutely love this. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. I was reading it this morning. It's almost like Jesus saying, hey, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. It's like, take courage, Paul. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And just as no one took Jesus' life from him, that he was protected by the power of God, no one was gonna take Paul's life before his day had arrived and he, God speaks to him. Jesus shows up and says, take courage. And I came here today to say to somebody who's you're challenged deep down inside to continue to step forward. That next step forward that God's calling you to may very very well be one that requires unbelievable courage. May Jesus send his spirit to help you to step forward with courage and to have the conversation, to back away, to end whatever it needs to be ended, to walk away so that you can be freed from the addiction, freed from the oppression, freed 
from the bondage, freed from the darkness, that you could step into the light, but it's gonna take you courage. Jesus is here today to look you in the face, to say to you, take courage. Because you know when you have courage, courage knows its purpose. He had, an, he had a laser-like focus, exactly what he was supposed to do. I'm going to Rome to testify. Courage cannot be diverted. Courage pays the price, and courage motivates others. When you read this story, it's a page turning time after time after time. In fact, for the next several chapters, he's transferred to Caesarea, and he lives there. He goes back north again because it's not safe in Jerusalem. Too much turmoil, too many assassins wanting to kill Paul. They take him to Caesarea. He's under house arrest, under Roman guard. He's there for two years under house arrest. He appears before Governor Felix. He appears before Governor Festus. He appears before King Agrippa. All the while, each conversation, inviting them to become followers of Jesus. And then at the very end, he appeals to Caesar because he doesn't want to go back to Jerusalem. They want to send him back for trial in Jerusalem. And he knows, nope, that's headed the wrong way. I'm going to Rome. And in, under arrest in Rome, Paul is able to share that good news of transformation with Caesar's household. And eventually many important Romans come to faith in Jesus. You know, as I read through that and I read about Festus and I read about Agrippa and I read about Felix and those men and women who heard Paul, what a tragic loss that they didn't decide to become followers of Jesus. There was too much on the line. They just didn't believe it. They didn't want to lose their position and their authority in this world. And if you've heard the message of Jesus time and time again, either here or somebody else has shared it with you, don't be like Felix. Don't be like Festus. Don't be like Agrippa. Don't miss your opportunity today to embrace the good news of Jesus, of his life, his death, and his resurrection his shed blood for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You too can do exactly what people have been doing for 2,000 years. You can repent of your sin. You can turn toward God and you can experience for yourself his grace and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and the burden that you carried in, the darkness that you walked in with today. You can walk out full of his light and have that lifted off of you and walk out beyond a shadow of a doubt knowing that you belong to him. That's what I'm praying for. You know what Paul wrote? We look at Paul and we say two years in Caesarea and then years again in Rome. We think, man, how awful to be under arrest for that long. But today, if you hold your Bible open or you flip to it in your digital screen, you have Ephesians Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, all during this time were written because Paul had time and he had conversations. In the book of Acts ends, in chapter 28, verse 30 and 31, see, we did make it, 10 chapters. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's how the story ends. 
What we do know, because you put the timeline together and you can see the whole timeline, is that Paul was actually eventually released. Most likely because the people that were coming from Jerusalem never showed up. They were just glad to have Paul out of there. So eventually, under Roman law, if your accusers didn't appear, you got out. Paul gets out for a while. We know he writes some more New Testament letters and eventually he's rearrested under, under Nero and he dies under the persecution several years later. But the thing that I've been waiting since July the 17th is to look somebody in the eye and plead with you to watch your step. To turn your life over to Jesus. For some of you, you're right on the precipice of making a moral decision, an ethical decision, a financial decision. And it won't be funny. It won't look like the bride falling. It won't look like the kids running down the stairs and tripping and falling. That, you know, we can have some laugh at that. But this won't be funny. You will be broken by this. And I came to plead with you to step back from the edge. Others of you, you're right up on the edge of following Jesus. And there's that internal struggle. And you're saying, I just don't know. You don't have to have all your answers to begin to follow him. You don't have to have a whole neat package tidy. In fact, you might have questions. You might have doubts. Jesus actually had followers that followed him without believing everything for a long time. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. So you can begin to follow Jesus without having all those answers. And that's why we're here. Is to, are to, we're here to help you to do that. We encourage you to watch your step because when you watch your step, it, it benefits your life, but it also benefits the lives of others. Paul watched his step and he warned. He constantly warned. And warning is done out of love. In fact, this message today comes from a heart of love for you. Maybe some of you could trace back to that very week in July where something was going on. You need to hear today that God knew that you would be here today. He knew seven weeks before you'd arrive on the scene here that you would be here and that you needed to hear someone plead with you to watch your step. Would you rather hear it before or after you need to? I'd rather see the sign beforehand so I don't trip and fall. If you will heed this warning, if you'll heed this message today and don't get disqualified along the way, if you watch your step and help others, you'll be able to say, like the apostle Paul did, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So how will you Watch your step. Let's pray. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm gonna conclude our time together here with some songs and give you a chance to respond. And as Michael so eloquently said earlier, it's a fantastic time to pause in the stillness of the presence of God from a hectic week and a hectic life to be able to look back over this last year and do some evaluating of how you've watched your step, how you've stepped forward, 
how you will watch your step moving forward? Who will you process this with? Where do you have some work to do? And who in your world hopes that you will get to work soon on this? Who is pleading with God on your behalf that you would watch your step? Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for today's reminder to us all to watch our step. Thank you, Father, for Paul's obedience and his willingness to serve you no matter the cost. What an inspiration that is to us all. Father, we wanna be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading. God, we desperately long to courageously follow you with our whole hearts. Lord, would you show us where? Would you show us when? Would you show us how you want to use us to strengthen, to encourage, and to love on others. Lord, we will passionately share you with every opportunity, no matter what the cost, we will echo Paul's words, I am ready. I am ready. And since the spirit of the risen Christ lives inside of us, It is by that spirit that we will step forward into a new year, into a new season. And Lord, I pray for those that are here today that maybe today is their day to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give my sin. I give my brokenness. I give my, my pride, my arrogance. I give my body, soul, mind, and strength to you. Offer it all to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me from all my mistakes. And I invite you to lead my life and to guide my life from this moment forward. And I don't even understand all that that means. But Jesus, with all the understanding and the best that I understand right now in this moment, I offer myself to you. Help me to begin to step forward with you, to watch my step. In the name of Jesus, I pray all of this. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.